This is the Leadership Lion Podcast. Leadership from a blue-collar mindset. Hey guys, this is episode 54. Current speed, 17 miles an hour. A little bit of traffic for a minute, but it's also for a minute it's not raining. It has been extremely wet. I'm pretty sure that they're just making up stuff right now because it's supposed to rain nonstop for the next few days. And I'm sure that there's been other times in history that it's rained nonstop for a few days, but they're calling this an atmospheric river. And then sometime last year, I can't remember what it was, but we had something they called a bomb cyclone. I have no idea what that was, but I'm pretty sure they're just making up new names for stuff to uh, cause a little more hysteria because we got an atmospheric river or uh, some rainy days. I don't know. There's probably some something that classifies this as an atmospheric river, but to the common folk, that's just a lot of rain is going to come down in the next few days. No factor. We're used to that kind of weather here all the time. So a little uh, update in geopolitics for the world here, what's going on. For the last several months uh, into 21, Russia had been amassing troops on the at the border with Ukraine. And they... I think there's satellite images and stuff that showed this troop buildup and, and uh, Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, repeatedly said that he had, he had no intention of invading Ukraine, that he was just doing some troop, some exercise, military exercises and drills and happened to be doing a full mobilization to the tune of like 200,000 men. Um, the U.S. called him out on it, and I, I actually thought when I was hearing it from the U.S., I thought that maybe they were jumping the gun because last week they said that uh, Russia had made the decision that they were moving forward with uh, an attack on Ukraine, and I thought I, I still didn't think it was going to play out, and I, I I didn't buy it, and I thought maybe they had jumped the gun on on saying that. But sure enough, uh, Thursday last week, Russia attacked Ukraine uh, by land, sea, and air. And the first thing they did is they took out Ukraine's air force, I think, in, right away with uh, rockets and missiles. They took out maybe all of their jets and all of their helicopters. And... So that little element of surprise put the uh, momentum in Russia's favor from the start right there. <clears throat> and then they had ships they attacked uh, by ship. They had attacked some Ukrainian soldiers on some place called Snake Island. And it's kind of a funny story where they were pretty defiant. And they, they told uh, 
you know, the Russian troops or whatever the version of their Navy people are told the Ukrainian soldiers to stand down and the Ukrainian soldiers told the Russian troops what they thought of them and told them basically we're not doing that go back to mother Russia and so then they took out the Russians took out Snake Island and uh, initially it was said that you know all those soldiers died but now there's conflicting reports that maybe they didn't die and uh, so who knows so attacked by sea and then they they uh, some of those 200,000 men I think they took two-thirds of the 200,000 so do that math um, they, and they attacked and are, took out a, a couple airports and are going after the top two cities in Ukraine one of those is the capital Kiev so by Friday night uh, Russian troops had made it to Kiev and, you know, we're talking David and Goliath as far as uh, comparing Russia and Ukraine. In almost every category, uh, Russia dwarfs Ukraine in, in defense spending, in the number of uh, planes, tanks, armored vehicles. Um, sometimes it's like 20 to 1 for, you know, the size of Russia's military. And I think... That, don't quote me. I think the only thing that was close was maybe the actual number of troops, and that was still like two to one. Russia had twice as many, has twice as many uh, actual troops that Ukraine does, or military personnel. Sounds more intelligent. So I think they had twice as many, or have twice as many. But everything else, it's not even close. And uh, the stuff that Ukraine has is. It's almost like the hand-me-downs from Big Brother. It's, you know, the pants don't quite fit right. Maybe that shirt's missing a button or something. Got a lot of old, janky stuff. But it's kind of cool. So, uh, Ukraine, on Friday, handed out 18,000 assault rifles to ordinary citizens to stand in the gap and defend their cities and their their country from this attacking enemy in Russia and they put out uh, online they put out information how to build how to make uh, Molotov cocktails for for people and so these you know there's a lot of people that got out of there they're they're talking like 500,000 people have already left Ukraine but there's huge numbers that have said no we're staying we're fighting and uh, we're going to protect our land. So Russia did some cyber warfare, and I think they took out internet in Ukraine. One of the first things they did, so like all communications were down for a while. So enter Elon Musk. Elon Musk says, yeah, I can do this. And so he flew a bunch of his Starlink satellites to the area and supposedly don't know exactly if this is true or not, but supposedly some forms of communication are back up now thanks to those satellites. So that's kind of a cool way for him to potentially impact the course of that conflict uh, for good. 
So, to kind of paint this picture, by Friday night, Rush, the Russian troops have made their way to Kiev and they're being uh, pushed back by uh, Ukrainian soldiers and, and ordinary citizens. They're, they're shelling, the Russians are shelling Ukraine and, and there's, there's videos out now of, of uh, Russian jets shooting rockets and missiles into apartment buildings and stuff and it's just it's really sad it's a huge humanitarian crisis for sure but it's pretty cool to to hear these stories of of ukraine answering the call and uh standing up to russia so you the ukrainian president is a guy named uh, last name Zelensky. Uh, can't remember his first name. Anyway, it'll come to me in a minute. Um, I think it's Vladimir Zelensky, and he's a young guy. He's like my age, and he's had his issues. There's some concerns about him with some of his hardline tactics with uh, political opponents. And stuff like that. It's, I don't know if you hear it starting to rain right now, but here comes some of that atmospheric river. Let me, uh, actually, I'm gonna push pause and see if we can get out of this rain for a minute. All right, so rain is let up maybe just a little bit, uh, but don't expect it to stop because it is, after all, an atmospheric river. And it's not just rain, it's an atmospheric river. Anyway, this uh, Ukrainian president is basically the face of the resistance. He's the he's about my age, uh, and there's concern. There's concerns with his his tactics with his political rivals and stuff like that. But the whole pretext for uh, Putin to why he's invading Ukraine is because he's supposed to be freeing the people from this oppressive leader in uh, Vladimir Zelensky. Supposedly that uh, Putin said that uh, he's guilty of human rights abuses with the people of Ukraine. No, he's the, but the problem is, is Zelensky has rallied the troops, the real troops, and the, the common people to fight and defend their country and it doesn't look from the outside that uh, he's some person that needs that the people need to be rescued from so basically in this whole story he's the he's the anti-putin so in our story here you got kiev that is surrounded now by uh, russian tanks and armored vehicles and and military personnel and they make a push in and then uh, troops or citizens eliminate them and, and push them back and they've been able to hold the city the city has not fallen um, just read an article uh, today that there's some between 2,000 and 4,000 special specially trained mercenaries that were sent to Ukraine uh, 
and their their sole goal is to take out the top 23 people in Ukraine. You know, Zelensky being the top, and then right down the list, all the most people in command. So they're supposed to kill all these people, and they they all have a bounty on their heads. And so these mercenaries, um, that's their sole goal. There is to kill the top 23 people in Ukraine, which makes the next part of this story that much cooler is uh, after night one when they survived uh, the shelling and the attacks by Russia, the United States offered Zelensky uh, opportunity to be evacuated. And his response is cool. He said, the fight is here. I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. That is a picture of true leadership when it matters most. And this whole thing could go sideways. I mean, Zelensky could be dead by the time I ever even load this podcast, especially when you got 2,000 to 4,000 mercenaries, and that's their only goal is to infiltrate and find him and kill him. Not good odds. But just that spirit is is pretty impressive. I read an article yesterday that talked about compared Zelensky to uh, like a Winston Churchill or, or a George Washington. And the article talked about uh, Churchill would walk the streets in, I believe it was London, after after some bombings when the air raid sirens were still going off and he would be checking on people. Or when George Washington made his way to the front lines and and just to check on the troops and to try to try to boost morale and the general thought with both those people was you know could their country survive if those people died you know if Winston Churchill was killed or if George Washington was killed would our would the young, our young countries have been able to survive that loss and this author went on to say that's probably the wrong question the question you should be asking is whether these young countries could survive if Churchill and Washington didn't have that resolve to act that way. If they did not take those risks, did not lead in that way. Same idea with uh, Ukraine. Zelensky's a marked man, and I think his odds of getting out of this are not good. But will his the way he's living and the way he's leading right now, will that be enough to, if he does get taken out, for the next person to pick up the torch and to continue the fight for Ukraine's independence and sovereignty? Good way to look at it. Don't be so concerned about whether the nation can survive by him doing those reckless things. But maybe the question should be, can they survive if he doesn't in the face of the obstacles they're facing right now? Leadership's easy when everything's going right. 
But it's a whole nother thing when the deck is stacked against you and your world is falling apart. It's a whole nother thing to be able to lead effectively through those crises. So I think that's the takeaway I've got from this whole situation up to this point is uh, it's a pretty good picture of, of leadership when things are going wrong. You got to be willing as a leader to stand up, to stand in the gap, stand up beside your team and say, we're going to make it through this. We're going to find a way to survive the night and live to fight another day. And hopefully that spirit can become infectious within your team or within your company. Well, that's all I got. Have a great day. Lord bless.